Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, my fellow Bible students, and welcome to today's episode of Everyday Truth. We're talking about this prophet named Jeremiah, and we're really honing in a little bit extra carefully on his call, the call of Jeremiah to ministry, what God wants him to do, uh, what Jeremiah's response was to that call, what God clarified in response to Jeremiah's fear, uh, how he told him, Jeremiah, I'm with you. And Jeremiah, although your ministry will be primarily negative, it's my word. And you're doing what I've called you to do. And I'm going to accomplish my purpose. Look, at, if you would, at Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 11, where the Bible says, moreover. So in addition to all that God has already said, moreover. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? So sometimes God would show Jeremiah something. Because sometimes we understand truth better when we see things. I see an object lesson. The eye sometimes is the way by which we learn. Obviously, there are different kinds of learners. We have audio learners. They listen by listening. They, they learn by listening. Visual learners. And there are many other ways by which people learn. Tactile learners. But the Lord here is telling Jeremiah something, but then he's showing him something as an illustration. And watch what he shows him in verse number 11. Uh, Jeremiah, what, what seest thou? What, what do you see, Jeremiah? What, what's God showing him? What, what, watch it, verse 11. And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. So he saw like a branch of an almond tree. What, what, why? Why would he see an almond tree? An, an almond blossom. An almond tree is unique in Israel because the almond tree is the first tree to bloom in Israel. It's been my privilege on many occasions to be in Israel in late January, uh, throughout the month of February. And I've seen this firsthand. The almond tree, it blooms first. So it's a harbinger. It's a, it's a sign of what is to come. You, see, you don't see the fig tree blooming yet. You don't see the flowers and other types of trees blooming yet. No, the almond tree blooms first, almost as a harbinger, as a presage to a season that is coming. And everybody knows that. Everybody knows that the almond tree, when the almond tree begins to bud, spring is well on its way. So I think what the Lord is saying here to Jeremiah is, Jeremiah, look, look here. See the almond Okay, I'm about to do something. These are the initial stages. Now, you might not see the entire season, but, but I am just as surely as that almond tree buds, and it doesn't look like anything's going to happen around the, the country. It looks like the whole country is still kind of admired in winter and cold and barrenness. No, the day will come, and the almond tree is the indicator. And Jeremiah, I'm going to use you that way. 
I'm going to use your ministry that way. You're going to preach some messages, and it's going to seem like winter is still here. You're going to preach some messages, and it's going to seem like nothing's changing. But just as surely as that little almond tree sends its message and the entire world changes, so, Jeremiah, I will use you in time, in space, just as I use that almond tree to send that message. Look at verse number 12. Then said the Lord unto me, thou hast well seen. Yes, you've seen this almond tree, and I will hasten my word to perform it. Don't you know that in 40, 45, maybe 50 years of ministry, that Jeremiah often thought about that almond tree? Don't you know that as the years progressed, it seemed that nothing was happening? It seemed that God's people were just getting worse Nobody was responding to God's word. Don't you know that Jeremiah, every spring, as maybe he would walk from his village to Jerusalem, or maybe as he would deal again with the rejection of the kings and rejection of, of the people and rejection even of the other prophets, don't you know that that almond blossom, year after year after year after decade, reminded Jeremiah God's faithful. Seasons come, seasons go. God does his work. He will perform it. It's a good reminder. Look at verse number 13. And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time. I love that. God is now reiterating. God is continuing to minister to Jeremiah. I'm reminded of that great verse in Jonah chapter 2, where the Bible says the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. God's reiterating. The Bible says here in verse number 13, the word of the Lord came unto me the second time saying, what seest thou? So God showed him one illustration, the the almond tree, but now God's going to give him a different illustration. And what's that? Well, look look at it. Verse number 13, what seest thou? And I said, I see a seething pot. So we would say today, like a pot of hot liquid, hot soup or hot water. Uh, something, a cauldron, maybe picture that boiling, a seething pot. And I said, I see a seething pot. And the face thereof is toward the north. So it's a seething pot and it's toward the north, north of Jerusalem. So understand this. If you were to study the topography of Jerusalem, you would know that Jerusalem is a naturally defended city. Remember, Jerusalem wasn't even part of the nation of Israel's possession until David bravely took over the city from the Jebusites uh, back when David ruled. Before that, it was a city-state that the people of God never did conquer. Joshua never did conquer Jerusalem back in the day. Why? Because Jerusalem is so defensible. Uh, You have steep valleys on two sides, really three sides as you look at it, the valley of the Kidron Valley and the Hinnom Valley. We call that Gehenna. And really, the the only place it needs to be heavily fortified, man-made fortifications, is from the the, the people that come from the north. Uh, The north, because that's where it's most vulnerable. And almost every single time Jerusalem has ever been conquered, it has been a conquering that comes from the north. So that's what we find here. In Jeremiah chapter 1, what do you see? I see this seething pot, this boiling pot. The face thereof is toward the north. Verse number 14, then the Lord said to me, 
out of the north, and evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, saith the Lord, and they shall come, and they shall set every one his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem and against all the walls thereof round about and against all the cities of Judah. I'm going to bring in judgment. Now, it's God that's doing it. It's God that's allowing it. But how is God going to chastise his people? How is God going to deal with their sin and their stubbornness? He's going to allow foreign powers that are stronger, physically speaking, to invade Jerusalem. Now, this happens. This happens on numbers of occasions. It happens with the Babylonians, as we shall see in short order in the book of Jeremiah. But it happens later on uh, to a degree with the Greeks, certainly with the Romans in 70 AD. Uh, One day, uh, Antichrist himself will come against Jerusalem and Jesus will come and defend her. So, wow, the, the armies from the north features largely in the Bible as God is allowing a foreign entity to have domination over his people. Remember, Jeremiah is preaching at the same time as some others. Zephaniah is preaching at this time. Habakkuk. Boy, if you ever want to read about the frustration of a godly man about God, why would you use somebody worse than we are? I mean, we're bad. The people of God have turned from you, but the Babylonians, they're really bad. Why would you use the really bad people to judge us? God says in part, because you know more than they do. You're held to a higher level of accountability. And don't think that just because I'm using them to judge you that I'm going to pass over their sin. I won't. And Jeremiah, later on in this book, will offer a prophecy of destruction on Babylon. And God certainly does destroy Babylon in a demonstrable way, as we shall see in 539 B.C., uh, remember the writing on the wall and Belshazzar and Mini Mini Tekel Upharsin and Daniel's prophecy. And so God has his plans. And God's plans always unfold according to God's order. And we're going to find all of that right here in the book of, of Jeremiah. Let, let's finish the chapter just for sake of time. Uh, the Bible says in verse number 16, and I will utter my judgments against them touching all their wickedness, who have forsaken me, have burned incense unto other gods, worshiped the works of their own hands. God says, I'm not gonna take your idolatry lightly. Verse number 17, thou therefore gird up thy loins. That's a statement to say, that's a statement of get ready for battle. Uh, Back in Bible days, men wore uh, robes and in order to work or to battle, they had a and pull that robe up so they can move, maneuver more readily. Gird up your loins, arise, speak unto them that I command thee. Be not dismayed, God says to Jeremiah, at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. No, your job is to obey me. Tell them what I tell you to tell them. Don't be afraid. Verse number uh, 18, for behold, I have made thee. I love this. Here's God's final word to Jeremiah in chapter one. I have made thee this day a defensed city. I'm your protection, Jeremiah. I've made you a strong city. I build the walls of your life. Watch this. And an iron pillar, nothing stronger than that. 
brazen walls, brass walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, your own people, Jeremiah, and against the people of the land. Jeremiah, there's going to be times when you're all by yourself. And the religious leaders and the political leaders and the people of the land are all going to appear to be your enemy. But Jeremiah, I'm your defense. I'm your strong tower. Verse number 19, and they shall fight against thee. Wow, what a statement. Jeremiah, they're going to be against you. You're going to represent me and they're going to be against you because they're against me. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee for I am with thee. Remember the reiteration, I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. Jeremiah, it's going to be tough. You're going to be all by yourself. But Jeremiah, you and I, we are on the winning side because you're on my side. We are the majority because you're on my side. So Jeremiah, just keep your focus on me. So that's chapter one. We finished it. We're going to jump into Jeremiah's very first message. We'll find that in chapter number two. What a great message. How convicting. We'll jump into that next episode. Hope you'll join us. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.